Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure, the Herald, and the quest, the present. In the last episode, our party have begun their harrowing journey to the far south in order to go find their buddy, the king, their friend, in order to, uh, you know, fight the final battle, win this smelly old war. But this quest is bringing them all the way to the kingdom of Taihalon, otherwise known as the kingdom of thieves, to go to the capital city of the three cities, Kalakui. But it is a long trip indeed. The party stopped by Dustwind along the way, and they run into a bunch of ghostly apparitions and zombies, which, nothing short of a miracle, our good buddy Anton was able to put them night-nights. Uh, beyond that, Norhill had a strange run-in with some interesting dwarves, who, uh, interestingly enough, had turned to a certain type of work that normally would result in broken hands and a very firm scolding from our uh, Punisher-in-Chief, Norhill himself. Uh, but instead, they were sent on their merry way and said, do better be a good boy and go look inside the uh, toxic gas halls. <laughs> and beyond that, our party made their way farther south to the plains, uh, encountering the Fort Riverwind, as it was, um, and finding out that not only was Riverwind pretty well shut off from everybody else, uh, they found that most caravans are not doing well as they are being raided by relentless, murderous, savage gnolls. The party, realizing they're not going to get into this place very easily, made friends with the strange and smelly people outside of the uh, besieged fort, uh, including one Ashma, who was a very strange traveler, who said she was from Kalkui and would help the party. But before that happened, the party decided what would be nobler than to go on a side quest and risk our necks and go find out where the heck these peoples are going. So, Klika, valiant as she is, rides on a giant spooky dragon and finds out, well, there are gnolls. There's a lot of gnolls. They have a strange, spooky, blood-stained rock fort out there in the middle of the wilderness where a bunch of very hungry dogmen are about to eat a very warm and screaming meal. So, Klika, having arrived back to the fort grounds, informs the party that uh, time is of the essence, and I think it's about 3 p.m., if my time is correct. So, what would the party like to do? Well, um, Norhill, you sort of didn't seem like maybe you want to stay and help these people, but Klika really doesn't think she can leave without trying to do something here anymore. 
Oh, you said they were to the north of here, correct? Um, yeah. Northeast. More towards the coast, but north, yes. Well, my previous assessment had been to send these people north because it seemed the safe path, but now it looks like there is none anymore. Um, Norhill's going to try to do some math based on Cleek's story. How far of a march would it be to get to the Knoll's camp from here, you know, just on foot, not flying? You guys would probably be able to get there by 6 p.m. Uh, and about how many did uh, did Klika say there were? Klika's guesstimation is uh, amongst hyena and gnolls that she could see in the distance. Uh, I'm actually going to need a investigation check from Klika on that one because you, I don't imagine, would have flown close enough as to draw their attention, meaning that being able to actually get a good read on how many would be difficult. I don't know. Klika was real tempted to fly down there at any point and try and just start slaying gnolls. So it's really <laughs> if Tatharja knew better. Uh, investigation with a minus one is an eight. Nice. So from up high, it was hard to tell, but judging by how many tents and the various smokes from fires out there, you'd be willing to guess that there's at the very least three or four dozen. And that's not including the wild animals that follow them around. And the not-so-wild animals that they call pets. Yeah, so probably close to 50, at least. I'm torn. Perhaps we can simply bring these people with us on our way south. Um, Ashma, do you think any... There's, like, another castle that we could bring these people to that would take them in or settlement so um i'm gonna actually uh do a very interesting little role here and i'm gonna see how she reacts uh overall to what you guys have said so far about possibly leaving them or you know how you're gonna handle this whole situation but once she hears about the situation and the fact that there are survivors um she is going to give a very, very, uh, I don't want to say this, judgmental look to the party for suggesting they might just take the ones that are alive now, bring them south where it's safe, and leave everybody else to die. And she strikes a bit of a pose and says, for your word as being mercenaries, and all that I've heard about you all the way up to this point, having seen her riding a dragon through the air, you think that some of you might have the bravery to help out and at least try to save them. Sure, there are many places to the south we could go to. I wouldn't be surprised if we could manage our way down to Shockley and drop them off there, or even in the town of Greymarsh. But I don't know that I feel entirely comfortable just leaving these people here and, you know, what may happen to them. Unfortunately, it seems like the bloodshed that they will get out of this will keep them moving, and the gnolls will just keep reproducing and keep hunting for more. Well, if a good lady, we're not, you understand. Go ahead, Klika. We weren't suggesting to leave anyone behind, I guess, the people in the castle, but they seem fairly confident in their ability to hold out. But we have to do something to get all these people out of here. There's no way we can... Even if we were to make a stand, there's... They they could 
their numbers are great enough that they could simply run past us. And Klika doesn't want any... Klika wants a plan that gets us the most people to safety if Klika and her friends fail. Okay. Do you want to roll me a persuasion check on that? I mean, as we all know, as the sorceress, yeah, you're going to have the seven. highest charisma bonus. I, uh, so it'll... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she gives you a very Hold understanding... On, is she a dragon? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving that information away. Because <laughs> I, I get bonuses to those. So you have to tell me. She, uh, she, for a moment, understands what you're trying to say and nods solemnly. And she says, I understand what you're trying to tell me. But I think that this cold and calculated approach is not the kind that will do kind things to your souls. How you can all let yourself sleep at night knowing that you took the greater number to safety and left the others behind is nothing short of, well, diabolical, some may say. She crosses her arms and says, I agree, it is probably the best option we have. But it better not be the only choice we make. I understand where you're coming from, I really do. But as many is 50 gnolls uh, better equipped and entrenched and only the five of us with no footmen, no cavalry, no siege weapons, I can only see everyone die, saving no one. I will say Norhill also knows that the concept of gnolls being entrenched is just, it's, it's like an oxymoron. Like, gnolls would never, in any circumstance, ever take advantage of cover. They are, uh, walk up front and try to eat you while you're still screaming and alive. So, it and certainly would not be the situation of like that. They have chosen the field. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just making sure everybody here knows that walking in there, you're, they're, it'll be the whole group on you at the same time. Um, but with that, if, she says, If we could I understand. get these people behind the walls of, Port Riverwind, even temporarily, then Klika and her friends could probably do a lot more. And with that, she just sort of nods, and she says, well, maybe the information you have from scouting is worth enough to talk to those guards again. Oh, how did it go to the first time? Did you guys have the meeting? No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> they are confident in their position and aren't willing to take in refugees. I mean, I have an idea. Let's hear it. All the people out here head south, and we blow a hole in the north of the wall to just let the gnolls in, and the townsfolk will deal with it. And we're good. See, we didn't suggest that, so you can't tell us that we're diabolical. Just Jarzak. Jarzak's just Eshma, yeah. Everyone else. Ashma looks terrified safe. by this prospect. And she doesn't think it's very funny. And the guards they they should be good eventually. Anyway, I guess we can go and no. I think it will make herself known. Do you think they saw the dragon fly in and out? If they did, they if didn't they saw any, the dragon. If they did, they didn't make any sign. 
Well, not okay. yet. Klika's only been back for about 20 minutes. So they could just be moving at half speed and be here any hour. <laughs> no, I'm Wouldn't talking that about be a um, funny play on this. I'm talking about the guards, not the dragon, not the gnolls. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I imagine. Let's go try talking to the castle again. I think it's pretty clear to say that the uh, the guards would have known it was you. And Tartharja being a very strange dragon, they probably would have assumed some strange foul magics were afoot. But, okay, so That's the weird. party agreed to go talk to the guards again? Yeah. Okay, is it the whole party? Or is Anton still pooping in the bushes? It's coming. Just bad trail rations. Okay, so as the uh, party march up to the gate, um, the guards uh, upon the precipice, uh, or the pinnacle, rather, um, they uh, look down again and say, What is your business here again? Um, hi, I'm Klika. I, uh... We know. Oh. They introduced me? It's kind of hard to miss it. Well, I just got back from scouting, and I saw some really troubling stuff. So I was really hoping that we could talk to... Hmm. Targora. And maybe figure out what we're going to do. With that, they just look at each other back and forth and they say, what kind of troubling things did you see? Well, like a, a, a lot of gnolls. Like way, way, way more gnolls than... Um, I think you might be expecting, and also they seemed, uh, well, more organized than you'd expect, so it just, Klico really doesn't want all of these people out here to die, so Klico's not asking you to let them in forever, just long enough that Klika and her friends can maybe stop the gnolls. And with that, um, can you roll me a persuasion? Hell yeah. You've been getting a lot of work on this one. That's an 18. 19 minus 1. The He's... second highest number I can get. And with that, one of the two guards shouts back down and he says, Listen, I agree with you that we have space, at least, for the majority of them. Even though it may be cramped and uncomfortable, there is room, and we do have food. But, you have to understand, we have seen gnolls before, and historically, gnolls have risen like this, and they have fallen. Unfortunately, this is sort of a necessity of life out here. We can't just let everybody in. It'll shorten our own reserves, and we might not be able to survive. We might end up starving if the gnolls take their time to come out here. But, luckily, I imagine you didn't see them too close to our encampment. Um, about... And then I forgot how far we said they were. It was about two hours, two and a half hours flying. So it was about, yeah, like six hours walking. So, only about a half day's 
march or walk from here, they could all be upon you. And with that, they look back and forth at one another again, and one of them kind of tells the other one in a hushed tone, he says, they must be moving closer. All right. So one of them shouts back down and says, you may enter and speak with Tagora. We'll tell him you have information, but they have to stay outside. They as in the rest of my friends, or they as in all the refugees? All the refugees. Okay. That's a start. <laughs> so that ten minutes pass, and the portcullis gate lifts as the sound of the clink uh, clinking metal chain seems to clatter as it does. Standing before you, uh, flanked on all four corners by large-looking hobgoblin soldiers, is an even larger hobgoblin-looking soldier in the middle. This must be Castellan Tagora himself. The Castellan seems to be wearing full plate, and this full plate seems to be adorned with many fancy little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, adornments, like little spines, spikes, and details, calligraphy and lettering. It's very, very much so ostentatious, but the bestial-looking man before you, the hobgoblin, uh, is a towering seven to seven and a half feet tall. He is a mammoth of an individual, and at his side it looks to be something of a longsword not dissimilar from Jarzak's. And as he steps a few steps out, he shouts in a bellowing tone to the party. He says, name yourselves. Okay, so we didn't get a Hi, I'm Kleeka. Norhill of Clan Hammerstone, Lord of the Halls of Silver and Steel. He nods at that name. <laughs> Since it's going to play it cool, be quiet. <laughs> just stare at him. <laughs> uh, Anson will just go, Anson of Glory Week. Charzak. Gethvinkor. Leader of the Orcs. He looks very puzzled by that and Glory Week. Um, and he says, you all seem to be a long ways from home. Perhaps you have some reason that you have left. I have heard much of the war in the north, and I suppose I ought to be curious why I'm meeting with you face to face, leaders of foreign realms. Nope, just Kalika. We were passing by on a separate mission in our own war effort and stumbled across your own sufferings in these lands against the gnolls. And we had information about their troop movement. Or that he nods and he says, I don't have much information on this, and every day it wounds me to know I do not know much. Tell me what it is that you know of the gnolls. Lika lets him know everything she saw. Well, and with that, he seems moved by this honesty, and he says... I think a wiser person may have tried to bargain with me, but perhaps wisdom is reserved for those with cold hearts. I am honored by your honesty. You are of good character, Klika. Well, Klika just really doesn't want to see like a bunch of people get eaten more than she already oh. has. <laughs> so, and with that, he sort of adjusts his posture and looks mournful for a moment. He says, I'm afraid in the time we've taken here to speak, they, those you mentioned, may already have been devoured. Or worse. I yeah, feel... much Klika could do. 
I feel as if we may be able to make room for the refugees outside of our gates. If it is the case that there are that many out there, perhaps with little food to be found outside, it will do us well. I think that seems like the right idea. Well, that he gives a certain nod, and at this point, looking over at Jarzak, Jarzak is the which weapon is it that's the uh, summonable one that's not currently available? I usually that would be my long sword. So, but okay. I also probably would keep that out because you okay. can just keep it out. Okay. So, as he looks you all over and gives sort of a nod, uh, preparing to uh, basically give you guys a, a formal agreement with the form of a handshake, as it were, he uh, walks closer to everybody and says that he agrees to allow the refugees to stay within inside the castle walls, and said is on good faith of you guys and your scouting uh, that he'll do so. And he says, but if he is two-timed by this, and if he has made a uh, bad bit of judgment on your character, he says, it will be rightfully known, and powerful individuals will certainly seek vengeance. And as he walks over and gives a firm handshake to everybody in attendance, uh, he stops when he sees the blade at Jarzak's side. And as he stops and looks at it for a moment, he looks back at Jarzak with a very steel glaze. Uh, gaze, rather. Glaze. Yeah, it's like a donut. Steel glaze. It's new from Dunkin' Donuts. It's horrible. His, painful. His sword agonizing, is glazed. <laughs> His armor is glazed. He, he belongs this to is... Candyland. <laughs> the donut knight. Um, the donut. Um, so with that, he uh, looks over Jarzak's weapon, then looks back at him uh, with a sort of knowing glare. I think that's what it is. I was going to say glare and gaze at the same time. It's okay. I'm glad we figured out the issue. Um, and then he gives a certain solemn nod as he uh, continues along the way, giving handshakes to everybody. Um, he then stops and he says, if it is the case you have done well this day in warning us that I honor your entry into my castle as guests of honor. But again, I warn you, if you are incorrect in your assertions, you will be punished. I assure you that we have dealt in as good faith as possible. With that, he nods and he says, I welcome you then to Fort Riverwind. Also, he's a bit shy, but our friend here is considered something of a saint among his people, and he should be able to help with food and water. With that, he gives sort of a a strange puzzled look to uh, Anton and says, I haven't seen one of fair skin doing such miracles in quite some time. You do not come from Calqui? No, I do not. But I'll provide help for your people and the help of my gods. Hopefully it'll be enough. Gives a very interesting nod again and he says... Perhaps there is much I can learn of you and your ways and the ways of the northern lands. I had always assumed the northern lands were pretty well bereft of deities and religion. At least that's what much of the legends were. Perhaps it was just dwarves selling odd stories. And he gives sort of a winking smile to Norhill. Norhill kind of shrugs back. I'm certainly no priest. 
Um, and so with that, he guides you guys into the castle, or at least the inner wall here. Um, again, the amount of buildings within this place are, I guess, maybe more than you would think from a castle of this type. It's more of like a walled outer sanctum, and then the innermost area is its own walled sort of like innermost fort, right? Um, but surrounding it, there are lots of smaller homes kind of stacked upon one another, uh, as well as a few different businesses. But judging by the fact that we are currently uh, in something of a closed door siege, you can tell this place is pretty well packed to the gills with people. Um, you can tell by the panic on people's faces that a lot of people don't seem to uh, believe they're currently safe. But some of the people look so everyday lackadaisical about it that you would assume that these people must live in this kind of fear for their lives uh, pretty often. So the uh, frontier settlers here of Riverwind seem to greet you guys warmly as you're walked in by the uh, castle in Tagora. And as he gives you something of a small precursory uh, tour around the inner, uh, sorry, outer wall here, he uh, shows you to a few different businesses and says that your coin is good here if you'd be so willing as to spend money here. Um, but apart from that, people seem to greet the uh, castle in warmly. And people seem to give him reverential nods uh, when they do see him. Which, again, is not strange, but judging by how much of just a massive warrior he is and how scary and intimidating his presence may be, you'd think that, like, you know, just these everyday commoners might be more afraid of him than not, but they seem to almost have, like, a protected feel around him. So after getting a pretty good view of the place and seeing some of the taverns and whatnot, um... The uh, Castellan basically tells you that uh, if you'd like to talk further and tell him more stories of your land and your people, he'd be more than willing to listen. But beyond that, he says, if you would not like to and you'd like to keep your peace, he says he understands the way of a traveler and says you are free to do as you please within these walls. Uh, yeah, Norhill will stay and talk with the Castellan. Click is always really good at giving re <laughs> recaps to people about what's happened. So, I guess uh, I, su go I suppose the only other detail there is the fact that because it's only three or four o'clock in the afternoon, um, this would normally be about the time the party would start thinking about making camp. So my question is, are we just going to stop here and just stay here for the day and night and just kind of like let that go? Yeah, staying here for the night probably makes the most amount of sense. I think okay. it will definitely help people move from outside to inside, because that's happening now too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hansen's going to start prepping some little meal packs. Mud some lunchboxes. Like, I'm going to need two tons of dirt. <laughs> He's cooking our garbage. Um, it's called a sloppy Anton. Like, this is uncooked mud. Like you can't just call this a meal. Um, I can't and I will. Yeah, right. So, um, okay. So in that case, the uh, Castellan sees you guys uh, and your saintly behaviors, and again seems to be very impressed by this, ordering many of his guards to assist you all in what you're doing. Um. But after a couple hours of uh, you guys doing your various duties here, um, the time comes that he invites you into his manner that you might be able to share a meal with him and uh, speak of your ways. So I suppose in the span of an evening, 
what is it you guys would like to tell him about most? Uh, Norhill is going to fill him in on the war effort uh, going on in the north. You know, maybe he won't delve into the whole the Herald of Steel is building a spire uh, to tear down the land of immortals, potentially destroying both worlds in the process. But, you know, he will explain the Iron Maelstrom and just what the deal is uh, going on up north. Okay. He definitely seems like he's heard word of this at least in the past few months, but he definitely doesn't know all the details. He does mention that a couple weeks ago he felt a strange vibration and many of the soldiers in their metal armor felt a little weirdly like tilted and they just assumed it was an earthquake. But as you mentioned, the strange metal falling from the sky and all that in Eagle Heart, he has a moment where it all starts to line up and make sense. He seems very perturbed by this and very scared, but he seems to... Uh, have a level of peace based on how Norhill presents it to him. What about Klika, Anton, and Jarzak? Anything you'd like to talk to him about or ask him about? I mean, uh, if I'm good on getting everybody in, um, I guess Klika will sort of just go over just the rough outline of their whole adventure from start to finish because she thinks it's a pretty Damn. funny story at this point. So, <laughs> so, like, see, so anyway, it all started when we got barrel. attacked by uh, a pack of undead goats. Goats, yeah. And look at us now, turning down a fight with a hundred gnolls. <laughs> We're like, please, I know my limits. Um, Okay. He seems to be uh, very moved by this story, and he laments at the fact that he spent his life as a military man um, and says that given the opportunity and the call for adventure, he probably would have done very well as well. But unfortunately, he's only uh, known triumphs in his own castle and just outside of it. Well, if you ever build a teleportation circle, Lika can come by any time and take you to all sorts of places. Just for like a day or whatever. Hmm. Okay. So, um, would Anton like to ask any major questions? Or would Anton like to tell him anything? I'd like to give him more insight. At least the gods I'm familiar with. Okay. And so he tells you, in a very polite way, that he has heard of both the Illuminator and Era. But he says that it's strange that you don't worship like 12 others. And says that you're he and the way he says it feels kind of like one of these very weird cultural differences where he calls it like your obsession with these two gods. And he says it in a very like polite way, but he says your obsession with these two gods is very strange. And he thinks that you might be cutting yourself off from a lot of the opportunities that come from worship of all of the deities and that the balance one gets from acknowledging and worshiping all gods Um is definitely an enlightening one, and says that if you are planning on traveling to Kaokui, going to the uh, the dome there, would definitely do you very well to give you perspective, with all due respect. Anton's open to it. I mean, he always followed the Illuminator, as he learned about Era, and he's like, eh, why not? And maybe I could get access to more power that's not necessarily a killing machine. <laughs> Maybe you can stop demons in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Anti-demon spells. 
um, uh, your openness and kindness and saintly. Yeah, that too. But uh, your saintly behaviors seem to also move the Lord quite a bit here as he seems to be impressed with your sort of gods are great, but doing the right thing is better. And for that, he seems to be very uh, moved and acknowledges that having fed the refugees and saved them reserves of their own food was definitely a very pleasant uh, present for him and everybody else. And he says it's not going unnoted. Um, so I guess last, uh, did Jarzak want to ask any questions or say anything? So you said he had a sword similar to Jarzak's? That he did. Jarzak is going to ask him about his sword. Just, hey, uh, I, I like the look of your sword. How'd you, how'd you come about getting one of those? He says in a in a tone that seems like it's on the edge of being offended. He says, all of the great warriors of my lineage and all those who I trained with in Shock Lee fight with a blade such as this. Tell me, do you know of the power and potential of a blade such as your own? Yes. And Jarzak will pull out like his blade and kind of like just set it between them so that he can check it out too. Um, this, uh, the blade can be very powerful as long as well, you're that... trained and have trust in your ability. He nods and he says, many people assume the blade is just a tool, but to a trained swordsman such as myself and yourself, we understand that a blade is nothing more than an extension of our will. And whether or not one has the ability, the strength, or the might to swing the blade, that is irrelevant. To have the spirit and the force of will to manage the blade is another. I believe you use the blade well. But if ever you have the ability in Shock Lee, you may, well, you may learn much. Helgara the master swordsman, the one who rules Shock Lee. He himself has a collection of such blades. I warn you, as a new friend of my own, that he has gained every blade from a duel. And when he finds those who wield those blades, he comes to possess them. I would never duel the man, because he is my own brother but you seem the kind of guy who might kill his phone fucking brother for something. I'm just kidding. Not that that's ever happened. <laughs> but no. Fundamental difference between orcs and hobgoblins. <laughs> <laughs> Fratricide is not a not a thing that right, hobgoblins so What's appreciate. his brother's name? Helgara. And where is he located? Shockley. He is the, he is the emperor of the city. He is big fancy man. But he says, he may teach you much of the use of the blade, but if he sees you as a opponent far too worthy, or one unworthy of the blade, and he may take it upon himself to take the blade from you. So, I warn you, asking questions may take the blade from you, and your life. But, he may teach you secrets of the blade, 
There's ones that even you have not found. There's always room to learn more and grow with the blade. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say, um, you guys can pick whoever you'd like to from the party to roll me a persuasion check um, for reasons that aren't super important. But go ahead. You guys can nominate one person. I mean, I'll do it's it. Your, if... It's your Zach. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I can't imagine why. Persuasion, yeah. you said? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely should be Jarzak. <laughs> Come on. 18. Okay. With an 18, as the party are asked to... Uh, I had a 10% fed... chance of getting what he got, so... <laughs> <laughs> after the uh, party are fed, uh, wined, dined, and all that good stuff, they are uh, led out of his chambers, where he says that you may stay in the guest suites. He says... Was, uh... as he's... Was Ashma with us the whole time? No, I assume she'd be staying outside. As sort of hired gun, she'd probably just be hanging out outside. You guys seem the uh, more important ones to speak with, and I think she recognizes that. Okay. She also, for what it's worth, makes it a point not to show her face when around a lot of people. And you can tell just from a quick glance that she's often hooded when she enters these places. Mm. Love that for her. It's because she's too cute. Yeah, that's what it is. I get it. I think I should start wearing a hood. I think I did wear a hood for a long time. Yeah, just wear it over your giant hat. Which you also wore that for a long time. (laughs) Um, But as as he's preparing you all to leave, he stops you all for a moment and he says, I act as my own sovereign force out here in the frontier. Though I have my own allegiances and my own peace with surrounding towns and peoples i think it would behoove us all if we had some level of an understanding i am probably the nearest martial force beyond the halls of silver and steel and maybe your closest ally when it comes to the southlands i offer you now a hand of allegiance to all of your nations and the agreement of your coalition if you would have me. Of course, we would be more than happy to have you. And upon our return journey from the Southlands, should things be looking up with your own war effort, perhaps you will march back with us. You realize you were listening, right? You know what's happening in the North. He says... Yes, I do, and that's why you need to have somebody you can trust watching your backs. The Southlands are very aware of the war in the North, and with a very, very wounded group of nations to the North, it's not hard to see who may come and take advantage of this. If even my couriers can give you a day's warning, it may be all it takes to protect you from what may come. What I offer you is the same level of protection I offer everybody else, I offer you information and guidance. Which is more than we could have asked for. Well, then he gives a nod. And he shakes everybody's hands yet again. And he again tells Jarzak, there are many secrets of the ancient forged blades. Again, 
It is your choice with what you do. But I warn you, you may be limiting yourself and your potential with that weapon. Mm-hmm. Jarzak just stares at him. <laughs> yeah, it just like looked down at my sword, but I'm just like thinking to myself, well, maybe I swapped to Domero's luck permanently. That's what Jarzak thinks in his head. <laughs> Don't want to be limiting myself. <laughs> Very good. Um. Okay, so now... Um, I suppose the party go to their guest suites and you guys are treated to a very comfortable uh, bedroom with the finest of sheets, beds, pillows, and accommodations. Um, and rest is not hard to come by. Uh, would you guys like to have any sort of meeting before you go to bed? Yeah. Then- yeah, sure. Sure, is calling a meeting. Oh, great. Jack like a, eagerly sits in front of Jarzak to see what he has to say. <laughs> hey, so I mean, should should we see if the king here has any info on you know the king we're trying to find, or hmm. you're I saying the Castellan? He seems pretty chill. We don't know about giving up the secret. Not necessarily because I distrust him, but I'm not sure what other listening ears might be out and about. Mm. Okay. I think we also need to take one issue at a time. He needs to gain our trust and hope our judgment's right. No need to bother him with even though they are pressing matters. One one problem at a time. Yeah, like, I mean, any info like how to get there and get in or anything would probably be super helpful. Because right now we don't really know much. Hmm. Logistical questions are definitely a good idea, but I don't think we need to give up the information about the king uh, in order to get that. Although I suppose I should stress that I'm not saying don't take pains to hide it. If if he seems to have guessed, I would say it's okay to let him in, but only if it seems necessary. Okay. Well, maybe after we help him out here, he can help us out with some info. Hopefully. Hopefully. Right. My question is, when you say help them out here, is the party not heading south after this? Well, yeah, it looks like the situation is solved, right? We're not assaulting the Knoll camp all by ourselves. The refugees are safely inside the castle. They have plenty of resources they're not all going to starve to death and we've lifted the burden on that a little bit okay i'm just making sure because when drezak says he was going to help out i wasn't sure if we were going to be blasting some gnolls i didn't know i i I was planning to blast gnolls clica would like to make sure like because they're gonna they're gonna be here before we wake up like (laughs) assuming that they're coming this way but that might not be the case 
I suppose. At first morning's light, the uh, party are awakened to the sound of tooting horns, as it seems the uh, swapping of the guard and the uh, normal morning routines of the trained warriors here at the castle are uh, prepping themselves in the morning. Um, the party are greeted to meals in their own bedrooms, cooked by the private chefs. Um, the party are then given the opportunity to go outside and watch the morning routines and the practice sparring of the soldiers, as the uh, castellan offers to show you guys just what his men are capable of. Uh, how rude would it be to politely decline? I don't think it'd be that rude, especially if you guys are suggesting you're, like, on a time crunch. Oh, Castellan, any other time, I would love to see your men in action. However, our mission is a sensitive one, and every day spent could mean a bad outcome, if you understand me. Yeah, he nods solemnly and says, I understand. I know time must be of the essence, and I shan't hold you much longer. Um, Klika, by the way, if it is the case that you wanted to create a teleportation circle here in the grounds, you've been given the opportunity to do so with the agreement that you guys would have an alliance with your uh, buddy here, Mr. Talgora. Yeah, then absolutely. Well, look at that. Making friends everywhere. Do they have, um, a, uh, do they have a wizard here who could learn the runes for uh, Enten? Yeah, it's hard to find uh, mages who have the same level of power that they can do that sort of thing, so um, certainly not here. More the sword side of uh, sword and sorcery, but okay. So it is the crack of dawn early. It is like 6 a.m. Uh, once everybody is fully prepared and ready to go, haven't eaten, you know, gotten ready and done all the things. So um, what is it that the party would like to do? Norhill, are you sure we can't just stay for at least a day or so? Like, maybe I can go and scout again, and we'll see. I mean, if the gnolls aren't headed in this direction, we can go, but... Clicka doesn't want to leave these people here to fend for themselves. Uh, do they have spy uh, spy spy glasses or anything up on the walls? No. Hmm. Did we ever get a spy glass in our travels? No, I did, I don't have one. <gasps> That's messed up. Yeah, no, oh. Norhill's not the kind of guy who would buy one. You guys have been pretty well broke for world leaders. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, we are... We put a big sword on the front of our boat. I mean, we are like, basically... Cool. Uh, we are basically just wartime leaders, though. Each and every one of us specifically rose to power because of the war. You know, it's not like we're nice. multi-generational lords or anything. That's kind of funny when you put it that way. You guys are dead broke during a dead broke time of the world. Exactly. No, I just still have beans. Uh, Norha will just like, go magic walk, beans <laughs> uh, from a vantage point in the direction that the gnolls were yesterday. Uh, can he spot any sign of them? Campfires? Um, anything? Yeah. Can you roll me an investigate check? 
I certainly can. And I can get a six. So judging from uh, where you're standing and looking out, it's hard to make out uh, campfires from clouds in the sky. Um, so it's very difficult to tell if they are still out there in that way. Give, give Cleek a... Wants to take a peek. Give Cleek a four hours. Um, and Cleek uh, will be back by then. And if things look... Okay, then we can go. But if it seems like the gnolls are headed in this direction, then I think we should stay. All right. Um, very well then. Uh, Norhill will go inform the castle in that Klika has taken an interest in doing another scouting mission uh, to check and see where the gnolls are and get an idea of the road and whatnot. Okay. So, again, it's going to take you two uses of the spell to get there and get back. Um, But going back out to that same encampment, the only thing that seems to have changed is the fires seem to have died down a bit. And it seems like most of the gnolls are like, uh, I don't want to say this, post-feast napping with many of them like just sleeping in tents, but many just laying upon the ground sleeping. You can see piles of gore and refuse where uh, apparently bodies used to be, and you can see sort of entrails kind of strewn about in blood splatters. Um, There are two major areas in the area that they have been encamped in, one of them being like a stone altar surrounded by large stones. Um, That's where the majority of the dead bodies are, and the blood and the yuckiness. Uh, It is on sort of like a raised hill, and across from it on another raised hill looks like an old fort or an old lookout point that's pretty well toppled in. Um, between them is sort of like the large campfire section where a bunch of tents are set up. But again, sort of strewn about are just um, just knolls, just kind of sleeping. Um, there's definitely those that are moseying about. Um, and I'm going to say that there is a chance that they notice you. Um, but it doesn't seem like in your flyby that anybody takes any great notice of you. Uh, as far as like numbers go, it definitely seems like between hyena and knolls that you can see and like guesstimate there's got to be like a hundred total between the two of them Um, but they definitely all seem pretty weak-willed and it doesn't seem like many of them are super well outfitted okay and they're also not particularly on the move right now no okay throw the magic beans actually that might not be a horrible idea. Just drop <laughs> magic beans in the middle of the camp. Uh, let whatever happens happen. They get access to several <laughs> wish spells. <laughs> I love it. All I wish we weren't evil anymore. Get gigantic. Yeah, right. Uh-oh. I mean, if that's what Anton wants to do, I know how much Anton loves using those magic beans. They don't wish for more food. They wish for bigger mouths. No, because I already know they're going to make some weird, risky apples. It's great for like bottom apples. Not so great <laughs> for this. Unless I give them... Unless I grow some mes- maybe messed up apples. Well, we, we don't know that every bean grows an apple tree either. Did you guys ever eat those golden apples? What happened? I think I think they're really in a golden apple. Yeah, no, I sure did. Some kind of bonus for a little while. I don't remember what it was. At least one bonus. 
Okay. So, um, so uh, Klico returns back at about 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, and provides them this information. What would you guys like to do now? Um, it doesn't seem like the Castlin's plan to just wait out a siege has changed based on that information, has it? No, no because he just assumes another encampment is going to come through here, maybe from the west or from the south, the southwest. There's any number of these knoll encampments, and he just assumes that once their hunger dies out, they're going to just peter off like they always do into cannibalism, slowly eating themselves to death. Perhaps we should use this opportunity to be on our way. Um, and if they do decide to attack, do you think you'll be able to withstand them? With that, he says, our soldiers will be able to fight any of those smart enough to climb the walls, and we will manage behind our walls to keep out anybody. So, yes, I think we will be fine. I do appreciate and acknowledge your desire to cause havoc and murder to them in their ranks. And I think that if you had the bravery and the willpower to go out there and do such a thing, I would certainly be pleased. You wouldn't happen to have any sort of potions or other weapons of war that I might be able to disperse among them, would you? And with that, he looks a bit confused by this, and he says, we do not have the use for many large siege weapons, but we do have some... some things. And he mentions that they have, like, ballista and other things that can be mounted upon the castle walls. Um, but nothing that's made for, like, you know, siege. Like, they don't have any giant battering rams or any, like, alchemical weapons or anything like that. Okay. Alright, do we want to try dropping some magical beans on them, or? We can try that. When did it become an agreement that we're going to use the magic beans? Um... I know I've left, actually. Let me look. We really want to try to. Clicky can also just swoop in and make some dragon attacks on them and stuff too. Can the dragon spirit breathe fire. Yeah, but it can also hold Jarzak, and I'll hit him with Domero's luck. Oh boy! And we'll see how lucky they're feeling. Yeah, maybe we'll hold off on the beans. Uh, um, yeah. You said that our mounts are trained for warfare, right? Yep. Well, I suppose we could go try to show a little chaos. Oh boy. Is that what the party would like to do? I mean, yeah, Clicky would like to do something. Okay. So if the party would like to do that, there is a nice point on the midpoint where Klika had flown by before where she saw a small hamlet that had been attacked and flying by that same way uh, this time around, there was no smoke. There were no survivors that she had noticed. So if you guys wanted a halfway point, that is a place where you guys could stop off. Now, the problem is, is being the isolated stop off point, it seems likely that that might be the first place people go to find if, you know, 
those guys who firebombed them and Domero lucked them uh, if they ran away, they have an idea where they might be hiding. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Judging by the fact you guys are all on horseback or flying, it won't take as long as having walked there. So it'll probably only take about four hours total, um, much like the flying dragon, in order to get there on horseback if you guys are hoofing it and like going fast. I mean, makes sense to me. Right. If I, when we leave, if we can leave from another direction than where we came, sure. To like kind of throw them off our trail or get them to follow us instead of following the way we went. That would be good. Sure. But. Very well. Also, um, is uh, Ashma with us at this point? She is, yeah. Okay. She seems to be a lot more on board having heard that you guys are willing to go back. Back where? To the, to the uh, encampment and go get those people. Okay, so... This might be where I'm getting confused. What encampment and what people? Like the gnolls. And getting back those refugees that had been taken away and were munched like, on. Klika but she doesn't like, know that they were munched on. Yeah. Didn't Klika kind of openly describe that that was what she saw? No. I didn't figure that you told Ashma that. But if you were very open about it with her, then she would want this for vengeance's sake. Okay. Because, like, yeah, it's it's just, like, Kalika also was in it to try and rescue people. But, like, when she saw that, that's why she went into full, like, panic. We have to save as many as we can at this point. Hmm. That's what kind of was pushing her forward. But hmm. Okay. Well, if the party are having the, having the plan to travel out this way... Um, then by noon, the party arrive at the, uh, small destroyed hamlet, um, and they have an opportunity to come up with some sort of more effective plans if they'd like to. Well, I mean, if we could make it seem like there was a lot of really tasty people here, hmm. well, that's a terrible way to put it. Um, anyway... If we could make this seem like there was a lot of things here that the gnolls might want, they might send out a pretty large force again. And then maybe we can do as much damage as we can and get away. We, uh, I mean, it seems like the uh, Hamlet's pretty damaged to begin with, so maybe we can use that to our advantage and rig up structures and set up whatever we can to give us as much, you know, force power as possible. Click is looking at Norhill this whole time. Like that's words, right? Those are things people say force power. Yes. Breaking up the Hamlet would require time tools and manpower that we don't have. 
striking their camp and doing as much damage as possible is probably our best bet with the that, numbers that we have. That's what Kleeko meant to say. Yeah, that sounded the same to me. Pretty similar. I mean, we have said that during downtime. <laughs> Kleeko asked Norhill about dwarf warfare, so <laughs> close enough. Um, okay. So, uh, I suppose now, uh, what's the party's plan? Are we going to just run headfirst into, uh, this, this disaster and just launch fireballs and lightning from the skies? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we probably want to stay like far away from the main camp and try to draw their warriors in like smaller groups. Uh, you know, using the fact that we're mounted for, you know, greater mobility. Have anti sure. fire spells on their tents and whatnot. Okay. I mean, once we get close, Cleeky can uh, summon Tasarja, and then uh, Anti can ride on Tasarja to, like, do stuff from the sky to give Anton a bit more flexibility on where he puts his big old explosions of doom and destruction. Oh boy. Are you worried about stats for our mounts, Dan? Uh, not not too much. Again, there are going to be so many bodies moving around. I'm really looking at this from a macro standpoint. I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of AoE spells going on here. Um, and if not that, then a lot of like you know, Delma rowing and stuff and people running on horseback and whatnot, so I'm sure we'll all be good. Yeah, I don't foresee any problems, but you know, the guilt was starting to pile up a little bit. Start recording. So I suppose now we ought to start talking about the uh, mechanics here. So Ashma is going to be riding on a horse, but the question is, whose horse I know we mentioned Anton being a flying fireball machine on Dragon Mount or whatever. Is that actually the case, or is Anton um, going to be responsible? I mean, I'm also good to let Anton like fully have Tasarja, and Kalika will stay on Shalt for whatever happens, but... Yeah. Does that mean Anton's going to be riding on a dragon launching fireballs? Yes. And breathing dragon fire? Absolutely. This feels like an upgrade. This is the game. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so I guess, again, as the uh, party travel up about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, making their way uh, pretty close now to... Uh, the uh, encampment, as Kalika has described it, you guys can smell clinging to the air, the smell of rotten, fetid, and sitting stagnant blood. Um, the smell of, like, rotten flesh clings to the air in the most disgusting way, as if you guys are outside of some sort of meat market that's been abandoned for a few weeks. The wind that blows towards you is nightmarish, to say the least. And every once in a while, the chittering, chattering, and the hyena-ish laughter that you hear in the distance carries on the wind in a way that's very upsetting. Um, it sounds 
like from all the different voices coming from all the different angles in the distance ahead, uh, that there must be tons of them. And by this time of day, they seem to have awakened, not entirely, but it seems like quite a lot of them have. Uh, the parties still seem to have the element of surprise by this point, and at about a uh, half mile away, um, the party have a pretty good ability to see uh, the camp in the distance. So um, at this point, the party are going to be approaching from the south side, um, stopping at about 500 feet away. Uh, what would the party like to do? Right. So our initial strike ought to come from the sky. Uh, those of us that are stuck on the ground will do our best to pick off the ones that flee the initial attack. Okay. Break away. Don't let yourselves get surrounded. But don't stick too close together, but also don't leave one another's sight. And if it looks to start get too overwhelming, flee back towards the hamlet. Very well. So, with that, Ashma riding on, I guess, Anton's horse? Assuming Anton's given up his horse? Um, she says that she uh, will let you guys go ahead. Um, she's planning on, uh, once the melee begins, to unleash a bit of devastation into the center of the camp, just over the large bonfire in the center. Okay, that doesn't sound suspicious in the slightest. She uh, notices as Klika begins casting another spell that she is casting it not from a spell book and for a moment's pause turns to Klika and says, wait a minute, I assumed you must have been a wizard since your charisma was so low. Um, I sort of figured. <laughs> no, Klika just talked bad. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Hmm, the Constitution sounds reminiscent of a fighter. I assumed you must have been something of a strange <laughs> fighter build, maybe. But uh, she says, I, too, have blood tainted by the gods and their influence. I suppose you and I have more in common than I at first thought. And with that, she gives a nod. She says, perhaps if we make it out of this one alive, we can talk about it later. It would be really, really terrible if you died now. So please don't. A single arrow just comes <laughs> flying from... right through her neck. <laughs> okay. I mean, that um, would so be suppose... very true to life, wouldn't it? <laughs> so I suppose the uh, party have uh, pretty much all the time in the world to do what they'd like to do. So, if Klika would like to cast her spell and get this party started, she may do so. The summon Draconic Spirit? Yeah. Okay. Now, again, I haven't really caught a true word on this. Anton is going to be riding on the dragon's back. Is this, is this the case? So, it is the case you're going to be riding on the dragon's back? Yeah, time to bring them their fiery doom. You can throw ice balls if you want. That'll also be very confusing for everybody. <laughs> be kind of slippery down there, too. That's, yeah. Okay, anyway. So, uh, I suppose Tartharja is summoned, and Anton very uneasily climbs upon its back. 
Guys, I, I, have, that... I have an idea. Oh, great. Okay. I, I could shoot a wall of light down the middle of the camp, and then we could just focus on one side. Or we could do a wall of fire and block them in. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> All of these are really good ideas. I yes. can't make a wall of fire, Anton. <laughs> I can, a... and it could work with your wall of light. Whatever you can do, I shall work with it. <laughs> uh, we can mm. we can shoot shoot them down the middle, and then go everyone go left and pick them off by groups. Although right is always the better choice, if I do say so myself. I like well, the left. Yeah, let's do it. And Anton can make whatever decisions the Sky hmm. Master or Water Lady says to Anton. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um... Is Tartharja going to have their own spot in the initiative? Let me see how this works here. Because there's going to be a lot of initiatives, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, it shares my initiative, but if I get higher than Anton, then I'll have Tartharja just hold till Anton for most turns. Yeah. Works for me. All right, I got a five. For initiative. Um, and Ashma got a 12. I got a 13. Because I have not rolled good initiative in a long time. I got a 3. <laughs> Alright. Nor Norhill got a 19. I got a Gee, 5. Yeah, oh boy. It's one of those Norhill got the Norhill's highest. Norhill's big day. Uh, again. Unfortunately, you're not going to like. Uh, you're not going to like it when I say that I'm going to delay until after Jarsak and Anton. So that they can cast their spells. I mean, I figured since we're in the prep phase, it's not going to be like true initiative until we actually get going in. Um, uh, for the five, can I have a roll off for the five for the Knolls? I got a 19. I have a feeling I managed to stay on top of it. Yep. I got a nat one, so three. <laughs> <laughs> and then a nice three at the end of the line for Anton. Very good. Um... Okay, so in that case, uh, Tartharja is summoned, and Ashma says that uh, if it is the case we're going to bisect this camp with the light, she wants to know which side you guys want her to concentrate her fire on. Uh, it looks like we're all gathering up on the right side of the camp, so we're going to be okay. going right first. Right first. Okay. Surprised we're not going left like a gang of very intellectual individuals. Um. Okay, so that being the case, um, was somebody going to use a spell to bisect the camp with light or fire? Yeah, mine will last I... like a minute. How long does Jarzak last? It's ten minutes. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if you don't have to do yours, but... Maybe I could do mine to, like, block... Like, uh, maybe mine could be a little bit more strategically timed. Because it's so short. I'll hold on mine. 
So um, I guess this is kind of tricky to think about how we begin this whole thing, but I'm imagining Tartharja is just going to come darting in. Do you know Tartharja's speed? 60 feet flying. Okay, so everybody's going to move 60 feet. Cool. Um, all right, so I suppose what we'll do is we'll just kind of start, since everybody moves at the same speed, we'll say we'll start when the people, everybody's running into the camp at the same time. Um, so I suppose then we can just start with initiative as per usual, uh, and we'll just have Norhill says he's foregoing his top spot of initiative. Uh, yeah, Norhill is maybe not delaying, but he's holding his action for uh, Jarzak and Anton. Very well. So next up is Klika, um, which I suppose since this is the... Well, this will be after all the spells are already cast. So I guess, uh, again, this is from when everybody's got all their spells prepared and ready to go. This is when everybody's riding to the edge of the camp. Um, so I do you still want to hold your action or did you want to go first? Uh, well, I wanted the spells to go off first. So like the wall of light happens and Ol's panic. Oh, North doesn't well, want to be I mean, in the middle of the camp for Anton to be dropping hmm. fireballs and walls of fire and breath attacks. Okay, so we'll say you wait on the outskirt. Okay, cool. Um, and then in that case, it'll go to Klika next. Klika was going to charge him, but then sees that Norhill has not and will steadfastly hold with Shalt. <laughs> okay. Uh, next is Ashma, who also picks up very quickly on the two people stopping dead in their tracks to let everybody else go, and will go alongside those two. Uh, Klika Norhill stopping on horseback, um, looking concerned and confused. Um, but Ashma sees an encampment upon the hill where that stone uh, structure is, where all the blood and everything was. Uh, she points a finger up there, and for a moment, anybody who's looking can see her eyes glaze over to a sort of a white-gray color, and her hair begins to change color to a snowy white. And as she does so, you can see clouds slowly swirling and forming overhead over the entirety of the stone structure. And she sort of just begins to close her eyes, and you can see static forming on her hands. Um, that'll be the end of her turn. So Ooh, now... Something like that. Um, but at this point, seeing the strangeness of a dragon flying into camp, storm clouds forming overhead, the entirety of the camp begins to freak out uh, and begins to, uh, I don't want to say this, they know you're here at this point. Uh, and it seems like the entire camp seems to come to life. Um, groups of hyena, groups of gnolls begin parading in at like full speed sprints towards you guys. Um, and it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that you guys will be able to uh, withstand, as it seems that around 100 of them in total seem to be coming, charging towards you. Um, and we wouldn't have been yeah. able to get the walls off or anything beforehand to like, Yeah, you see, that's them. what I was thinking. I thought that all that stuff was happening on yeah. these terms, and all these spells the, uh, off, and then we were going what to was the What was the range on those spells? Was it 120 for those? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then in that case, you would be able to get those ones off. My fear was that you wouldn't have enough range for it. Yeah, I mean, um, it, if that was the case, I would have cast Invisible and just gone up and done it. Surprise them anyway. Cool. Okay. 
Um, so I believe the wall of light is 60 feet. Did you want to draw that wall? Yeah. Okay. It's 10 feet high, 5 feet thick. Uh, blocks the line of sight. Nice. So I imagine it's probably the reflection of the blade. And it just catches the daylight at the right angle. And you just see like the light just magnify and like bisect reality and create just a giant glowing shining light through the uh like a like a slash through reality directly through that little camera there. Years. That's not nice. Yeah, so uh, each creature in its area must make a constitution saving throw. I'm sure they're all gonna do fine. Um so the what's the saving throw value I had to get? Uh you gotta get uh seventeen. I mean Okay, yeah, no, I definitely, definitely fucking failed on that. Um, very good. So, what's the uh, range of the wall's damage? Is it 10 feet from the surface? I know, creatures uh, in its space. In its space, so in the five foot. Okay, I'll I'll read it pretty, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... I'm going to read it pretty uh, liberally here, and I'm going to say that the majority of them are going to get hit by it just because of the uh, stretch on it. Um, in that case, uh, go ahead and roll the damage on it, but I don't think you necessarily have to. These guys being minions pretty much all died. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, so so it any that like... fail will take the... Uh, of course. Yeah. I've rolled multiple ones. Uh, 10 damage? Yeah, 10 is definitely enough to kill each and every one of these guys in the camp uh, by the bonfire. As you drop this uh, beam of light here, um, it seems like tons of them just start clawing at their faces and their eyes, blinded, and the radiance of it all just kind of cooks them. Um, and tons of them fall to the ground dead. Uh, it seems like nearly 12 of them or so, uh, 12, 15 of them just drop immediately. And the camp is still just bisected by this giant gleaming radiant light. Um, does that mean that Anton's also going to drop a wall of fire? No, I'm dropping a fireball and I'm dropping it on the two little groups below the broken wagon and the dirt path. Because it's got a range 150 feet. Oh Jesus! Okay, so the path leading up to the uh, like the stone structure. Yeah. Okay, so the old fort. Okay, very well. God damn. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and roll the saving throws on that. Uh, yeah. No, I unless the DC is a twelve. Um, the giant pack of hyena over there are also uh rightly uh shown the light of uh. Do, of do you want me to give you the damage? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, they're minions, but it's always fun to it, know how much 26. damage you do. <laughs> Very good. 20 see it. Um, so with that much damage, they are, yeah, rightly cooked. Uh, the smell of burning hair, even from this distance, is pretty immediately noticeable. Um, barbecue. <laughs> yeah, barbecue. Very good. Everybody loves barbecued hyena meat. Um so yeah, I'm I'm thinking that that's it then. Um, and since that was the preparatory actions was when everybody's running up, now we can go to the true initiative. Okay. So in that case, Norhill's on top. Okay. 
Uh, so I just read up uh, on the rules for mounted combat. And mounts basically oh, get their own suite of actions that they can take on my turn. So I can yeah. dash and also still get my full round of actions. So. Yeah, the uh, the rules for mounted combat are very interesting, to say the least. So let's see, with 120 feet of movement, I can get up uh, to some of the... Are those gnolls or hyenas up north of the Wall of Light? They are gnolls. The yeah. hyenas look like warthogs on this uh, wonderful Albert Rodeo. Uh, um, so Norhill is going to stop uh, first uh, by the one hyena that's left south of the Wall of Light. And take a pot shot at it as he rides by. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, it's blind. You can advantage. That's going to be a 26 to hit? Yeah, I think you hit the poor blind hyena. Uh, and then he'll ride around the wall of light to the north, uh, close to the center of the camp, um, to some of the knolls that are there north of the wall. Okay. Um, again, because we're using the minion rules um, for 5th edition, if you scoot up just a little bit further, you'd be able to kill possibly both of them with one hit. Uh, unfortunately, that square uh, that I placed Norhill in on the map is exactly 120 you, feet away. You you can move through the wall of light. I don't well. want to take damage from it, though. You don't take damage unless you end your turn there. Oh, I don't? No, it's... it's Yeah. All right, neat, so... Yeah, it's just when it to... appears. Yeah, so I'll, come, I'll, I'll charge through the wall of light. Norco closes his <laughs> eyes, and then emerges on the other <laughs> wall of light. Co cover the horse's eyes. His last two attacks. Yeah, I was going to say, how trained are these horses that they know to be like, yeah, it's a wall of light. You got to close your eyes when you're going through it. We won't get damaged for going through it. It's if you end your turn there. Say the, uh, uh, well, anyway, Norhill is not exactly a cavalryman, so he's going to try it anyway uh, and get a 26 on his first attack. Yeah, okay. And then roll for the damage on it. Okay. Uh, let's see. D8, D6 plus 5. Uh, 13 points of magical piercing and lightning damage. Okay. And because of the damage that you're able to do on the minions, you cleave square through one and into the other one. Again, they're very well blinded and cannot see, so doing so is not difficult for a cavalryman as yourself. Uh, before you, across the camp, about 15 or so feet away, is another group of about five gnolls that are ready to come charging your way. Awesome. Uh, that is... Norhill's action economy for this round. Did you have one more attack? Uh, nope, that was three attacks. Uh, I do, but I can't get in range of anyone. You wouldn't be able to chuck the uh, little shark thing? Oh, yeah, I guess I haven't used my interact with an object action yet. So, <laughs> yeah, Norhill's going to uh, draw the shark tooth axe and throw it. Um, nice. That other pack is within 20 feet, so I don't even take disadvantage. That's nice. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you, you, you know, jumping through the light with the, the hook hammer in one hand and the axe in the other. Uh, so, and, and it also uh, keeps hitting as long as it continues to make attack rolls. So, that's right, why I'm saying you may be the minion goes. murderer. 
Uh, let's see. That is going to be an 15 to hit. That's good. Yeah, this camp is not filled with a bunch of heavily uh, armored uh, enemies, and instead you're dealing with the uh, the horde. Uh, that is going to be six points of um, slashing damage, I think, is what a throwing axe does. So yeah, you definitely kill the first one, and it continues to go through them as long as it hits them, and because they're minions, they're killed as long as they take a point of damage. So the way I see it is as long as you continue to hit, you continue to kill. <laughs> what a terrible uh, thing. All right, uh, <laughs> 24 to hit. Yep, that's a kill. Uh, this is so cool. I love how full eight cool. points of damage. The the just the martial character where like he's got no AoE. He's like, hold my beer. <laughs> just throws the shark axe at full speed. All right, so let's <laughs> so that was eight points on the second shark axe. Yep. Uh 17. Nice, that's another kill. I, I guess I don't have to keep rolling damage. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know you feel kind of sad when you're uh, not. But... Unfortunately, that's going to be a two on the die for a ten. Oh, that's a miss. So the last one manages to skirt death as the blade goes flying past his head and boomerangs back to Norhill's hand instead. That's horrifying. But I also like that behind you is just the giant glowing Best Buy television set <laughs> behind you that they're all afraid of. They're like, he has come from the future. He's like, I actually, like, I traveled I, to the I, past. I like to but... think that if, it, if the wall of light comes from the reflection of the blade, it kind of looks like the blade. You know, just kind yeah. of stuck, uh, stuck in the ground. Um, Yeah, that too. Since it's the end of your action economy, I suppose it goes now to Cleaker. Huh. What is Cleaker gonna do? Nice question. Cleaker's like, I am an assassin. I am made for killing one thing at a time. Yeah. So it wasn't Norhill, but you know, <laughs> she's also her her big whole damage thing is a concentration spell, and she's currently concentrating on flying ant and around. So it's like, well, just don't break that. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> She's got backups. It'll be fine. Um, I guess Klika is going to have her horse or no shawl. Does shawl also have eighteen AC? I mean, I would say yes because of the barding. Okay. Uh, riding dogs and statted out in the player's handbook. I'm oh, only what a goof. on the assumption that these creatures can only move. But Mastiff, you know, Mastiff is statted out in the player's handbook. Yeah, I, I, I click is just going to stay where she is for now and cast a, a fire shield on herself. And I guess mirror image, because that'll be funny. <laughs> Ashma is immediately scared, but also uh, impressed. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if that's the end of your turn, now it goes to Ashma, uh, who immediately calls down a bolt of lightning. Um, it strikes the camp um, at a pretty tight cluster of foes. 
Um, the knoll in question does not skirt out of the way fast enough, and instead two of them explode in, from the lightning's impact, and she calls out a joyful yippee as they die a very sundered death. <laughs> um, she begins to uh, trot up on her horse, uh, moving past Klika, uh and under well, a tree about fucking dumb, thirty feet away, focusing her efforts uh, at aiming at the uh, encampment around the uh, stone altar. Um, okay, so now uh, this bloody, horrific battlefield uh, seems like it's going to get a lot more raucous as we go to the Knoll's turn. Um, yeah, so who's ready for this giant pile of numbers and crunching? Uh, Norhill, even though he did look ferocious and terrifying where he was, uh, seems to be now the target of quite a lot of violence as Knolls and Hyena begin running full speed towards him, uh, jumping off ledges and whatnot to get closer to him. Uh, their violence and savagery knowing no bounds, it doesn't seem like any of them have any sort of uh, plans on protecting themselves as they dart at full speed towards him, being the only one present on the map uh, capable of being smacked around. Um, Luckily, Norhill is built to be a tank, so... <laughs> yeah. And your little horsey, too. Um, and your hey, little I, dog, I, too. Uh, uh, I have a cavalier ability. This is exactly what mm -hmm. it's for. This is true. Huzzah! Um, yeah, that's the official code word. Um, uh, so as far as like where the enemies are moving from, uh, our friends up top um, by the stone encampment have all pretty much abandoned their positions and are running full speed towards the center, um, darting in towards where Nor Hill is, uh, jumping over the ledges of the little hill encampment where uh, it seemed like uh, the stone fort was. Um, but again, a lot of them are not able to make it up into melee combat with them. Uh, instead, their brutal savagery leads them to quite the moronic move, as it seems like they're all just moving into the direct center. You guys can see from where you are, um, and through the sort of chaos of battle, that a few of the knolls that you can see at higher points are not uh, actually going to be crossing over uh, into the direct line of danger that the party present. And instead, uh, they seem to stop at certain points and just keep a lookout on what's going on. So uh, it seems like really the only ones that actually made it into base contact with Norhill are the various hyena, as well as the uh, two gnolls who have made it up to you in the light. Uh, the hyenas that have run at full speed and jumped over the edge are going to attempt to chomp onto Norhill and onto his horse. Um, we said the armor class of the horse was an 18, 18. so as they try to bite onto the horse and hold it down, uh, two of them are able to land hits, uh, and the horse itself is going to take two points of damage, um, but... Being that two hyenas have attacked the horse, the horse is going to get to roll a strength saving throw or be knocked prone. Uh, the strength saving throw is not that bad, as the hyenas are definitely a lot smaller. So if you'd like to, Norhill, you can roll your uh, strength saving throw for your horsey. All right, let's see. A war horse has a strength of 18. That's not bad. 
Uh, that's going to be an 18. Nice. So the horse is certainly not uh, going to be knocked down, but the knolls that surround you uh, begin swinging in on you as well, uh, ignoring attacking the horse. Um, they attack in on Norhill, and Norhill's armor class is... 21. In brutal uh, valiance, uh, Norhill is able to block with his shield as he catches the uh, hooked axe in his hand. He's able to deflect the blows of these flail-swinging gnolls as they madly snap at you with clapping jaws. Um, but that is the end of the gnolls' turn, uh, and that brings us to Jarzak. Okay. Um, Jarzak... Guess is gonna move closer to everything. The horses can move what? One hundred with a dash. One twenty with a dash. One twenty with a dash. One twenty with a dash. Uh, yeah, Jarzakli, not dash yet. Move up closer, and then he's gonna reposition his wall of light. Okay. I didn't know you could do that. It gets smaller every time you do it, though. So it does eventually go away. So it, yeah. Um, And did any of the gnolls end their turn within five feet of the wall? Because they would have taken damage. No. One of the hyenas did. And that would be enough to kill the hyena. So it vaporizes in a whiff of uh, white light. Um, Yeah, Jarzak's gonna... It's... 10 less, yeah, so 50 feet now. So just above um, where Norhill is to kind of block off all the guys coming down about to swarm him. Hopefully give him a clear path. Okay. How how big is the uh, beam going to be now? It's 50 now. Okay, that's not terrible at all. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, do it just above Norhill so it doesn't hit him, but gets the That's most so terrifying of okay. enemies. Yeah. Nice. So the beam of light shifts as you angle the blade yet again in the light. Um, I will say Jarzak notices as he's holding the blade like this and shining his beam of light. Uh, Jarzak realizes that like using reflections of the light of the blade you feel like a connection, an evocation kind of connection to the land as you're doing so. And it seems like the distance between the blade, where it is in hand, and the distance of the light of the blade become almost their own connected pillar of light. And from this, the words of the hobgoblin lord of the castle sort of gleam in your head as you remember that reality is not what guides the blade, but it is the spirit of the warrior. And you feel as if magnetized to where the blade's light ends. Almost as if with the simple like swinging of the blade, you could travel alongside the light of the swing. Whatever that means. Yeah. Okay. I assume it's going to kill anything it hits, or most of the things it hits. Sure does. Okay. So with that, all the hyena that are trapped within the light are vaporized and the ones alongside it, including the two hyena next to Norhill are also vaporized. All right. And then I'm going to move to use my horse to move the rest of my move somewhere safer. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then you immediately run away. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> That'll be my turn. Okay, cool. And this leaves us with our wonderful three on initiative, Mr. Anton. Mr. Anton is still on the back of Tartharja, and you can see the battlefield is slowly but surely running at full speed towards the party. Um, what would you like to do? I'm trying to think of which, because oh, I'm going to do another fireball. I'm trying to which, think of strategically which group would be the best to whack. You can also you dash do a... into Tassaja for 120 feet, and you'll be in the sky so you can't get attacked. Or you can move hmm. 60 feet and then have Tassaja make attacks and stuff. Damn. I go up 120. I want to get the group that's kind of by the the big old stone, the stone block. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And what's the range on the fireball? 150. I'm trying to see if I can actually get to it. Oh, jeez. I mean, yeah, you could launch it. Yeah, right. That's so funny. Because, I mean, technically, couldn't you just launch it and then move? Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather do that or would you rather move up and attack? Oh no, we're looking at two different groups. I was trying to get the group like all the way in the back. Oh, behind the stone, like the behind the tower. Mm Hmm. No, I don't think I'm gonna be able to go that far. Ah, It's 130 from the tree. Yeah, you can easily use some of Tartharja's movement and get him in a fireball. Yeah, I also feel like you could probably attack along the way too with Tartharja's breath. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Okay. So first, I'm gonna move up to the tree. I'm gonna do a fireball all the way in the back. Okay, um, and you're going to hit the uh, one group all the way in the back there? Okay, cool. So, uh, on their dexterity saving throw, they did not pass. So, uh, okay. being that they have such low health, uh, they are immediately all killed, but you can roll the damage, because I know that's very important, and everybody loves that. I got 31. Yeah, they are all very dead. Uh, the explosion is enough to knock stones off of the crumbling structure in the back. And you can see that the trees and the bushes immediately are engulfed in flames, as well as some of the wood from inside of the building. Uh, the yelps and screeches of some of the knolls within lead you to believe that there may have been other knolls waiting within uh, that you seem to have uh, exposed their hiding spot. Um, but yeah. Okay, now what? So and then the sergeant will get yeah three rend attacks and a breath weapon if you can get within ten feet. What's the range of the breath attack? Thirty. Yeah, thirty foot cone on the breath, and the rend is ten foot. Okay. So did you want to scoot up to the group closer, or did you want to just try to like go flying full speed? Let's see, yeah, fly full speed to that, yeah, that group and get them. Okay. 
Okay, so from where you were, that was 20 and then another 40. Okay, so yeah, with 60 feet, you'd be able to get all the way right into the right spot to be able to hit all of them with a cone of fiery breath. Cool. It's Tartharja. Would it not be like piercing damage? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it would be rusty shrapnel. Burning rusty shrapnel, nonetheless. Oh. That's horrifying. So, okay. I, mean, I know that that's How a much little damage? bit outside the scope of the spell, but... I, yeah, I mean, you know, but I like it's it. It's only uh, 2d6. Damage. That it's could be 2D6. very well enough to kill them all. So, Ronnie, go ahead and roll it. None of them passed on their saves. D6, one second. Ten. Ten? Okay. Ten, Ten is definitely enough to kill um, all of the uh, runty ones in the group and the two larger ones in the back that uh, seem to be almost like a size and a half taller than the rest of them, like 50% taller rather than the other ones, they seem to be heartily wounded and screaming in pain from burning rust and shrapnel, uh, slicing them to pieces. Um, they yelp out in pain and start crying out to attack uh, the dragon. But as we Is know how this how, how the Herald of be. Steel feels? <laughs> when his iron maelstrom comes through, like, is this what it's like? That's now, not a I good thought Tassadasha Dragon Spirit was golden as, as Tassadasha was in life, but you know what? You know, Anthony said it, so I just went with it. It's oh, fine. No, anyway, I, 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 I like no, it. Please, please correct me when I do things like that. I, nah. The idea That's that okay. it comes out as a fireball, but then when you look closely... It's, it's just of metal shrapnel. Yeah, it's just terrible rusted shrapnel. That's so gross. Well, on that note, uh, at the beginning of the second round, uh, Norhill, you're at the top of the food chain here. Alrighty then. So I'm going. Or, to... Oops, I skipped Ashma. Oh wait, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, let's see. I want to move. Uh. 30 feet uh, to this group here that's just a little bit south uh, of the Wall of Light uh, okay. by some fallen trees it looks like. Yep, okay, so a group of hyena that have tried to come around the other side of the light wall to get to you. Uh, so Norval's going to start laying the smack down on them. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so that's going to be a 14 to hit. That is... I'm sorry, my cat's sitting on my book. That is good. All right. Uh, do you want me to roll damage to see if it cleaves? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, six, 11, uh, 16 points of magical piercing oh. and lightning damage. Okay. So with one swing, you're able to cleave straight through two of them. All right. Uh, and Norhill is going to spend a superiority die to make that a sweeping attack. Um, okay. For uh, that 14 that I rolled, uh, that would still hit uh, one of them that's within five feet, yes? Yep. Uh, let me just make sure that I'm reading the attack correctly. All right, so that one's going to take three points of damage. Okay, so he gets killed on the side of swing, leaving only two left in this group of five. 
Let's see. So that's going to be 40 feet of movement now. Norhill's going to adjust a little bit uh, so that he can hit the last two. Um, okay. Let's see. That is going to be an 11 to hit. That is good. 18 points of magical piercing and lightning damage. Very well. So you managed to crack through all five of them. Now, one thing that I'll say is that as you crack through all five of them, uh, as they die, lashing out and attempting to get a final blow in on you or anything, they snap down on the legs of your horse, and each one of them manages to do one last point of damage to your horse as they fall. Uh, you're tracking the horse's hit points? Yep. As it seems like you're the only one who's bringing the horse into combat, it's going to be easy. Uh, but it's got about 20 hit points total. So that five brought it down to 15. Okay. And then this other group of gnolls uh, to the northeast, assuming that north is mm -hmm. up on the map, yep. uh, are within 30 feet. So I can try to Another... make attacks against them with the shark axe uh, at disadvantage. Okay, cool. Or wait, so no, I saw movement. Be... Uh, so let's see, I'd used 30 yeah. feet before, so I have another 30 feet of movement. So 35. You know, when they say that D&D &D is like a power fantasy game, is this what they're talking about? Because this feels uh, like what they're talking about. So with 40 feet of movement, I can put them all within the 20 foot short range of the throwing axe. Good. Okay. Uh, that's only um, going to be a 10 to hit stuff on that uh, uh, on that attack. Okay. So even throwing it at the first one, he managed to overthrow, and it goes whirling past one of them, uh, and comes boomeranging back to your hand. Okay, so it's good. Uh, and uh, one is forty feet of movement. You fucking run away again. 15. I love how just a, a wild little tornado right now. Uh, let's see. So it's it's fifty, sixty, and then dash. <laughs> What, just were you always a cavalier, and we just never gave you the opportunity to be one? Uh, no, I only took the one cavalier ability because you didn't like. Uh, I think the second ability for the um, battlemaster fighting. We didn't like it. That sounds like me telling you you weren't allowed to take it or something. I don't think that's how that worked. But no, I don't <laughs> like that. No, I don't like that ability either. Like, oh, spend a minute looking at things and no useless information about it. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, the HP. Yeah. Um, okay. So if that's the end of your round, now that you've circled back and run over to Jarzak and Ashma by the large tree here by where the uh, party first entered, um, it seems like it is now Kleeker's turn. Oh, jeez. How does this keep happening? Hmm. It definitely seems like upon the hill where the stone altar is, there's a much stronger knoll who's standing over the altar and seems to be cackling and praying, throwing his hands up to the sky. And the two larger hyena that have been attacked by Tartharja uh, are also, one, they withstood the, the dragon's breath, but two, they seem to be getting ready to come uh, bum-rushing anybody who gets close to the hill. Yeah, I think it's gonna... Guess get between both of them. Nice. They're doing Klika stuff. Oh boy, I love Klika stuff. I'm All not right. as much of a fan. So I'm gonna do... Are they... 
They within five feet of me? Yes, they both are. Yep. Okay, so I will... Twin spell booming blade. Very well. First. And I'm going to be attacking with my uh, purified flicker. <laughs> Sugar-free so. flicker. Hey, you know... Uh, those sugar-free flickers, if you're not careful, will do things to you. <laughs> All right, so that's a 20 to hit one and a 12 to hit the other. Uh, the 20 is good. The Great. 12 is not so much. What do we got for damage? Uh, I'm figuring it out. Uh, 23 damage on the one I hit. That is good. So he dies uh, as you rush up to the hill and climb up one of the ancient staircases leading up the hillside. Uh, you dart over and stab one square in the chest and kill it. The other one dashes out of the way. And then I will quicken spell and try and booming blade that one again. Uh, 16. Okay. Um, a 16 you said? Yeah. 16 is good. Alright. Um, yeah. I was going to say, the one in front of you that you're hitting, as it sees its ally fall to the ground dead, immediately tries to climb onto uh, you and start trying to bite at your face. Well, it takes a whole 11 damage. From your attack, or? Yeah. Okay, so it misses when it tries to bite you, and then you manage to stab it, and then it falls to the ground dead. So, I guess that was a very uneventful little turn for that knoll. Is the, there uh, a book person over here? There's a... Yep, that's that's the one that's been praying and cackling and screaming. Excellent. Clica will move the last 20 feet of her movement to... Sort of get closer to that. Doesn't like that too much. Yeah, you know, bloody stone altars with praying gnolls cackling are never really a good thing. Yeah. But they get the job done. Um, okay. So if that's the end of your turn, uh, it goes now to Ashma. And Ashma, seeing you standing there, um, fighting off here, a wonderful bookman, uh, calls down another lightning bolt. And this one strikes that guy dead on, which is very funny to me. Um, and as he uh, cackles with the pain of being struck by freaking lightning, uh, he takes a pretty decent amount of damage, actually. Um, and she calls out again, yippee! That's the verbal component for a lightning spell. Shut up, Anthony. It was if I want it to be. Um, she also scoots up on horseback closer to the stairwell where Kalika was. And now it goes to the Knolls. So, Big Daddy Cackles, the spooky, spooky, bone-splitting uh, Knoll up top, uh, leaves from behind the altar and rushes up to Kalika on Shalt. Um... And at this point, uh, without any allies around, this is definitely a lot less powerful of an enemy, but uh, taking full advantage of the fact that it is bigger than you and has its fancy spiked foil, it's going to swing at you with reckless abandon, uh, seemingly lowering all defenses that it had in order to try to hit you. 
judging by the fact that it got a crit on one of those dice, I think it worked. And he goes in for a second swing. Uh, hitting with not as impressive a number, um, but a 24. What's your armor class? 21. Nice. Okay. I can um, make and... it a 26 with shield, so I might as well, right? You want to. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Okay. Um, so as it does so, uh, and you manage to block off the second one, um, the chain that you managed to block seems to have somehow, in some loose, uh, strange way, uh, wrapped around you, and it seems like you were restrained by the chain while it has you this close, and you managed well, to take... Hold, hold on, I do have mirror image up, so I gotta see if it hits one of my mirror images besides me. Oh, for fuck's sake, of course you do. I, That's weird that yeah. mirror image is not a concentration spell. It's not, and neither is fire shield. Of course it's not. Why that <laughs> That's why I took both those spells. Who would have guessed? I mean, those spells uh, would be so frustratingly useless if they were concentration spells. Six or higher. Alright, I gotta roll a d20. Give me a sec. Ooh, gotta ooh. roll a six Very or good. higher on a d20. Alright, so it hits one of my mirror images. Good. And instead, it manages to... Uh, well, I guess since it doesn't hit you, it doesn't take the fire damage, right? No. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, very good. I'm glad I didn't get to do anything important that turn with that guy. Very good use of my time. But in the meantime, uh, all <laughs> of my friends... So exciting too. You know... Really, I, I, I only have two mirror images now. You got a better chance of hitting me next time. So now the rest of the gnolls in the camp uh, catch wind of the fact that you guys are absolutely slaughtering them and hearing their leader cackling and screaming something in the gnoll language in the distance. Um, they seem to be double timing and making the best of their moves to uh, get darting in your direction. Um, with the majority of them being able to reach melee combat, but the problem is, is most of them had to dash to get there. So again, from way afar, these guys are able to clear so much ground with their frightening and blinding speed. But again, it doesn't seem like they're able to do much with that speed. Um, again, it seems as if there are smarter gnolls who now are escaping the burning stone structure in the back that is now on fire, thanks to a fireball. Um, but yeah, okay, so now that the gnolls have all moved, uh, Hyena have come up in a pack to join in against Norhill and Jarzak, with a group of, uh, gnolls moving on the left and the right side of the beam of light, as well as one group in front of it, uh, kind of triangulating and moving in further and faster to, uh, get between Norhill, Jarzak, and Anton and Ashma. Uh, but now, we go to Jarzak. Yeah, Jarzak's gonna. We can move uh, the wall of light as Dan is drawn it. So you can just. Yeah. I might do that. And I was gonna, you know, bust out the sword and start attacking down here, but um, I think Jarzak believes in Norhill that he's got this. And he's gonna move the wall of light to the group that made it past the wall, just to the south. 
good. Yeah. So an ever shrinking beam of light again, as you pull the blade and reflect it, uh, the beam of light clings to the group uh, there, vaporizing the uh, gnolls as they're running towards you. Um, and then what was the damage uh, against the one bigger knoll? Uh, what's his con save? Oh, he has to roll it. Yeah, right. Yeah, seventeen. Uh, yeah, he does not. Okay, so he will be blind if he survives, and it does. <laughs> I like how that's how we're measuring it. Seventeen damage. Yeah, I I rolled two ones on the first one, like, and two fours. It was real bad damage on d8s. <laughs> oh, he's vaporized as well. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, it's like that cleansing UVB light that they had at the stupid freaking what's it called? Never mind. Okay. So yeah, the cleansing light does quite the quite the trick on the gnolls uh, there. Okay. Anything else from Jarzak? Um. If the, because I'm up on the horse. If the horse disengages to move away, do I get hit? No. Okay, then I'm. Uh... No, mounted combat rules are wonky, and I don't feel like digging into that. Well, okay. it's, only like two, it's only like two paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. Then the errata makes it that much more complicated. But, um, either way. Well, there's errata for it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, whatever. We're not digging into it. You know, I'll just chill here. That's fine. I trust Norhill to take care of them all. Yeah, yeah you know, honestly, me too. Um, <laughs> but okay. No. Yeah, so that's it. Now, if that's it for you, it goes to Anton. So upon Tartharja, what would Anton like to do? Mm. I'm gonna... I guess I'll take out the group of um, gnolls and like in front of me. How many feet are there? Um. So one of the two feet. groups. I mean, one of the yeah, two remaining groups from the triangular group that was rushing across their camp in between the two hills that uh just got vaporized. Yeah, you can go for the one on the right. Or are you gonna launch another fireball, or are you gonna scoot up and torch him with dragon's breath? gonna do another fireball but... what's the distance on fireball because you can... 50 feet. Uh, cause... so maybe i could do both yeah scoot up kill this one and then lob the other one too. yeah let's do just it the... okay let's do that anton just reigning death supreme this is yeah. why anton got the dragon <laughs> so let's have tardarja go over after the group on the right and i'll get the group on the left Excellent. Okay, so you go flying through the air, passing over the bright, gleaming light of the blade, uh, and as you come careening down towards them, Tartharja belches out a spew of fire and uh, rust. Uh, they pass on their saving throw, but they still take half damage from it, I believe, so 2d6, which, as far as I can tell, still kills them all. Does it 6 kill them all? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Because it is an area attack, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, you absolutely vaporize that group of them, uh, and then from the other side of the gleaming light, you manage to launch a fireball, so I'm going to roll for their saving throw, which again, I'm pretty sure that just hits them no matter what, so I'm going to even say that from, th like, through the glowing <coughs> white portal, the light, um, the wall of light, that is, the fireball just goes whizzing through, 
and just nukes that group on the side, uh, setting fire to their tents. And they all scream and fall to the ground in pain and agony, screeching for assistance of any sort. I mean, the walls yeah, I got 29 points. Nice. The walls only like... like... Oh, I don't know if I like this guy. This is a failed character. <laughs> this is a failed character. <laughs> this is Anton's, like, winter personality coming out. Yeah, like, murdering <laughs> a bunch of people on the dock or something. <laughs> it was cold there. Yeah, it was too cold. They just wouldn't listen. <laughs> How dare they have a thoughts and opinions? <laughs> um. Well, if that's it for Anton, uh, it's going to go back to the top of the round for Norhill. Okay. Uh, so it seems like Norhill and Jarzak have been surrounded uh, on three sides uh, beside one of the trees in the camp by hyenas. So Norhill is going to start uh, teaching them some manners, uh, starting with the one that's directly south of him. Okay. Yeah, you're pretty much encircled, so there's going to be a lot of cleaving. All right, that's going to be an 18 to hit. That is good. Now let's see how many you kill. <laughs> I'm rooting for you, buddy. Uh, 12 points of magical piercing and lightning damage. So, as you swing across with your hammer, uh, you manage to kill two of them, leaving only three of them before you. 23 to hit. Uh, 14 damage. Okay, so you kill another two, leaving only one of them behind. Uh, You know what? Let's just spend a die and make that last one a sweeping attack. (laughs) Okay, so... um, You still gotta get above a certain number. So you got 14. We gotta see if you can get above... Uh, well, a sweeping attack, it deals damage on just one die. Um, so it's so the way that sweeping attack works is I spend a superiority die. And then if I would hit my initial target and a creature within five feet of it uh, with the same attack roll, I get to do a little bit of damage to the one right next to it. Uh, right, so that definitely would have killed it then. Yeah. It's six points cool. of damage by the way. Yeah, that definitely did it in. Um, Okay, so it would seem that the combined efforts of the entirety of the party uh, in that alone have killed the overwhelming majority of everything in the camp, leaving behind only two gnolls that you guys can see quickly running off into the distance and one shouting and cackling as it uh, is fighting Klika. Um, Or he's going to uh, double move the horse. Uh, to start chasing down the gnolls that are fleeing. I love how Norhill said, no, you're not. And he just darts across the entirety of the camp to go get them. Okay, very good. Um, All right, so if that's the end of your turn, unless you have three attacks, are you going to throw that fucking frisbee at them? Yeah, I'm going to well throw the frisbee. Let's see how far away are they. I feel like you never use this it's thing cool. until this fight. All of a sudden, it's become useful. I know, right? Well, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, we fight fewer enemies with, um, you know, higher armor classes, so. Right. All right, so what do you got in the attack? Let's see. The one that is within uh, 20 feet is going to be a 24 to hit. That's good. Uh, For a full eight points of slashing damage. Nice. Okay. So it looks pretty well wounded. 
outside 20 feet is going to be a disadvantage. Uh, for a 14 to hit. That's good. Uh, for, um, wow. Swinging between extremes, maximum and a minimum five points of damage. Nice. That's still a decent amount, and both of them seem wounded by this. Both of them scared by the fact that you've charged all the way up behind them. Um, but uh, now, at the end of your round, it's going to go to Klika, squaring off with the uh, spooky priest knoll. Man, there sure are a lot less enemies than the last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, wow, I don't know what Norhill was afraid up. of now. Uh, yeah, evidently. How far Fireball, is uh, Dragon Riders anting off the ground on Tazarja asking for a friend? Uh, I imagine about 30 feet. Oh, that okay. seems like a very natural height. I don't think you were skirting 10 feet off the ground or anything. All right, yeah, I'll just make um two attacks here. I'm going to do a booming blade, and then I'll quicken spell a booming blade. All right, so that's a nat one on the first one. Oh, very good. And that's a 26 on the second. That's good. Again, bouncing between extremes here. Yep. That's 21 damage. Jesus Christ. So... This thing is already wounded quite quite well, uh, even without your ability to cast your fancy schmancy spells. Um, but the thing continues to cackle right, and shriek at, small in its nullish tongue. For 11 damage. Very fucking good. So, um, it definitely seems more wounded, but not dead. Uh, but again, it continues to call out null to something. I really hope Ashmoth cleans this up. Um... At this point, uh, if that's the end of your turn, yeah, Ashma is gonna shoot down another lightning bolt. Uh, missing the hit, dealing another. Ooh, I was actually really close to maximum damage. Damn, looks like there's a new blaster in town. Not really, but we I can dream. We only met her last session. She just wants to impress you guys. She's boss babe in this campaign. You can't stop her now. <laughs> so You uh, did describe how beautiful she was last session. So I know she's a traditional sorcerer. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to what? Your facsimile of sorcery? Your fucking whatever. Fucking man. Klika has her oh, own yeah, charm. Yeah. And it's it's more than skin deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because your skin is two inches thick. You <laughs> fucking stupid pawn score, you asshole. Anyway, um, so with that in check, if you get through Ashma, the fire shield, the blank and the mirror images, Ashma continues to trot up the hill on horseback, uh, climbing now under the clouds, um, and standing pretty close behind Kalika as she squares off with the uh the knoll. Um, now that her turn is over. The uh, Knolls by Norhill seem to circle back around and rush up to attack him uh, with brutal speed. Uh, both of them running up and attacking. I don't imagine they're going to do much of anything awesome. Um, but yeah, in a flurry of reckless abandon, 
The first one misses terribly. Uh, the second one swings in and is able to hit. What was your armor class again? Just to make sure. 21. Nice. Okay, so one of them is able to hit with their flail. Uh, the other one is going to... Um, I'm going to warding maneuver the second one. Uh, okay. My armor class is 28. Okay, well, I take it back then. But now they're attacking again because their armor only increases for that one attack, right? Yep. Docker. So... Both of them, in reckless abandon, continue to attack, trying to bite you, and your armor class is just too freaking high, as they both, like, a couple of wild animals just come snarling and chomping at you. I like thinking Norhill's just, like, holding them back by their fucking throats with both hands, and he's like, whoa! And just, like, they're both just swatting and swinging like a cartoon. Um, But yeah, leaving only one of them left, who continues to tackle at uh, Klika, and you can see some of the bodies, some of the flesh and the the blood behind you begins to start of coagulate and kind of gyrate on the ground a little bit as a couple of corpses guts seem to bulb us up as if about to free something from their torsos. The uh, spooky knoll uh, begins to now swing in again with its flail on Klika, attempting very pathetically to turn this around somehow. I got a fumble on one. And I got much higher than that on another. So, uh, it manages to hit. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it got past my clones and everything, too. All right. Yeah, not your fire shield. It's probably going to die from a fire shield, to be honest. Yeah. Well, at this point, I don't even know why I'm reading off the damage. I did 15 damage. How much did you do to me? I'm a defeated man, nine. is what I'd like to say. Yeah, nine. Well, it's not enough to kill him, but it's enough to make him regret his decisions. Even with Fury of the Small? Son of yeah, a unless gun. you get to do it again. No. But now it goes to Jarzak. Okay. Um, He's lucky he didn't run away. Hmm. Get him with that good, good booming blade. Yeah, right. Jarzak. So, what would... uh, is there? So, is there like stuff coming alive up there? That it's it certainly looks like it. Okay. Um. Jarzak flees. Yeah. Jarzak's gonna move his wall to. Fuck's sake! You in the stupid goddamn light wall. It's almost gone. <laughs> I only have it for like two more turns if I keep this up. <laughs> Very good. So with another swing of the blade, the light extends again. Go ahead and do your wonky donkey damage to him, because I can bet you he's not going to pass. Ooh, he passed. 17? Yeah, I passed it. Okay, you're not blind, but you take... Uh, I rolled 17, so half that. Nine points of damage there. He's dead. So very good. I'm glad he passed on his saving throw. Thank God. Yep. And the uh, gyrating dead begin to they stop their movements. Um. Now where's Jarzak going? Uh, Jarzak's gonna have his torch full sprint in to meet up with Norhill up north to, to help him with these guys if he needs it. All right. 
Um, now that that's over, now it goes to Anton, the destroyer and the conflagrist. Yeah, there's much more I should do at this point. I don't know. Do you guys need help? I mean, I think you can fly all the way up to Norhill and attack. I was going to say, you could probably end this whole thing right now. As well. <laughs> uh, let's see how far I can go. Like there. how Anton feels the guilt for having killed murderous savages. Technically, they're like, 70 feet away. Um, you at, you can move look. 60 foot and you have a 10 foot reach on your attack. Oh, let's do it. Okay. That is so hilarious that Anton's like, I like it, but it feels so bad. Alright, let's do a breath weapon. And you get re-attacks with Rend. Uh, both of them actually passed their saving throw. So you're only going to do the half. But you do okay. get to do the Rend, so... Well, you got the 8 for the breath damage, so that's really 4 points. And then, how's the Rend work? It is... Attacks. So it's it's just another 2d6? Uh, no, hold on. It's, like, d20 attacks. Uh... Melee weapon attack, your spell modifier to hit. So you have a minus one to hit on three attacks. Oh, wow. I wonder how that worked out. It's crazy. Uh, and it deals 1d6. Oh, no, no. Plus three. You have a plus three because a spell attack modifier, not straight modifier. So, yeah. You have a plus three to hit and you make three attacks. I like how the ability score manages to. Lower the number. It sure does. Uh, and it's a 1d6 plus 4 plus spells level, which is 6. So it's a 1d6 plus 10 if you hit on any of them. That's so hilarious. I love when modifiers are higher than the dice values. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. You know what? Yeah. is a I very mean, special I, I, girl. I do always like um, the point in the D20 system where your D20 is modifying your static modifier instead of the other way around. Yeah. So what'd you get, Ronnie? So I'm just trying to make sure I did this right. I'm doing uh, just a regular attack. At just D20 plus 3. Okay, first one, I got 12. Okay, that's a miss. Second one, 21. Uh, 21. Sorry. Good. Uh, should I do the third one? Yeah, you might as well to finish off that other guy you missed. Uh, Third one, I got 16. Nice. So you are able to kill both of them just with the flat damage alone. Um, and thus the party have brutally uh, vanquished this entire war party of gnolls. Uh, perhaps this totally sending a message won't have to consequences. The... You what? <laughs> this totally won't have consequences. It better have good consequences. For once, something we should do should have good consequences. Uh, actually, both are an important part of the ecosystem. So now a whole bunch of species in the Southlands are going to go. That was the only thing keeping the Iron Maelstrom from moving in was the Noel's bloodlust. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, right. Um, so as the party returned back to uh, back to the castle, um, returning back to tell them of what they have done. Um, Did any of the... us even get wounded? 
there was her attempts made. I think Kleeka might have ironically been the only one to get wounded. Yeah, I, I was. Because I messed up on um, my uh, mirror image roll. I missed it by one. So, or it would have been another mirror image. we head back, Norhill is going to take anything that they had in the camp that might be useful. So food, anything like that, totally off limits. Norhill doesn't even look at it. But like tent canvas, scrap wood, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, if, if Norhill's going to spend time doing that, Kleeka will go through and try and find identifying belongings among the leftovers. I yeah, guess. we need something to prove that we did this. No, more like, hey, your person was carried off by the gnolls. Oh. Here is something to remember them by that isn't a part of them. There was no one left at the camp. Unless we find people left at the camp, but I doubt we will. Okay. Alright, so yeah, looking around the camp, it seems very clear right now um, that there are no signs of anybody surviving. Um, you do find plenty of odds and baubles of, like, uh, belongings, such as, like, lockets, loose jewelry, clothing. You find things like, you know, uh, what's what I'm looking for, like, um... The like a comb for the hair there, like things yeah. like that. Like you, right? Jotskis. Um, I yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Exactly, <laughs> good old medieval Chotskis. Um, so with the uh, the party scouring this area and finding all these little uh bits and baubles, did you guys want to continue looking deeper for like loot, or did you want to just find those things and kind of swear off the place? Jarzak will look for loot. Yeah, I figured Jarzak would look for loot. Clique is not. I'm also okay. going to hit up that town on the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Norhill's focusing on depriving any other gnolls that might move through the area of useful things. Yeah. Burn all the food. <laughs> okay. Um, so, in total, uh, you find about 3,000 gold pieces worth of coinage. The majority of this is silver pieces, with about like 7,000 silver pieces in total. Um, there are a few platinums tossed into the mix, but overall, again, total value is about 3,000. Um, there are about 500 gold pieces worth of gemstones. Uh, none of these gems seeming to be of like masterful value, but it definitely seemed like trades worth of, of gemstones. You know what I mean? Like rather than pay 50 gold coins, you, you know, smack them over a gemstone as like a point of currency. Um, but one thing that seems to make the most sense here is about 2000 gold pieces worth of trade goods that the caravans had dropped off. <laughs> and when I say dropped off, I mean, uh, had pilfered. So everything from spices to like soaps to, to fabrics, you know what I mean? Like raw materials. It's just so much stuff stockpiled, um, and stockpiled so haphazardly that it seems like some of it may have been damaged and broken in this. Uh, in the hall. So overall, about 5,500 gold pieces worth of total wealth just stockpiled in the tower. Uh, looking at the carriages that are still here and seem to be in some semblance of working condition, if the party were to hook up their horses to this, um, they would be able to drag back in two carriages worth the uh, total of all the wealth gathered out here. Fantastic. Um, Klika thinks we should give this to the Refugees back at Fairwind. Um, I know they're kind of, or Riverwind. I know they're 
kind of in a rough spot right now, but Klika thinks that we should hand it over to the Lord and have him use it to help them. Just disrupt the economy by like just bankrolling these poor people that never had gold pieces in their life. He just come in like, here's a hundred gold. And they're like, holy shit, let's buy a horse. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. You give it to the Lord and have him do uh, not incentives. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, where the yeah, give, uh, give all of the soldiers a nice. What no, but like, do... uh, uh, if you start a farm, we'll give you X amount of money. That kind of stuff. Yeah, bribes. So anyway, no, I'm just... no there's no <laughs> fucking word for it. You know, I know, I know. Like with electric what vehicles, you what you get <laughs> rebate, but it's not a re it's a it's a or or Pay like the solar panels and the reason why there's so many solar panel companies now. What is yeah, it's because you. I, I know what you're saying though. Like, there's the little pushback of cash. Yeah, subsidize. Fucking subsidize it all. There it is. Uh, fucking uh, yeah, got it. Subsidy. Thank you, Wesley. There's good old complicated matters of trade here at Fort Riverwind. Now that yeah. we have to subsidize the economy. Yeah, he, thanks he, to you guys he, dropping he, off. We're gonna give it all grand. to him, and he'll figure out to subsidize all these poor people to incentivize them to go out and do things. You know, when you guys go back to the castle that's been completely demolished by Knowles, you're going to feel really stupid for having tried to come up with this whole plan. Damn. Uh, feel really we're gonna great. We're going to throw some magic for... beans at it and call it a day. Uh, we're going to loot know, the mean... castle. <laughs> hey, you know, apparently we can just take down an entire warband of Knowles by ourselves. It didn't even know it. Are you surprised? Your first I mean, rounds included like calling down lightning storms, and that was just the NPC you met. That's not even the fireball <laughs> swinging dragon riding cleric of the light, let alone Norhill frisbee death discussing fifteen heads in a round. Like Zeno really warrior princessing. <laughs> yeah, right. And then Jarzak. Honestly, the fact that Kleeko was the least like exciting oh, yeah. in combat for once in our, our career <laughs> is the scary part. Meanwhile, Jarzak's just like slicing reality with fucking yeah anyway point is I mean, definitely... from the perspective of the characters like oh man 50 gnolls that's a lot we might die anton on the other hand's like 50 gnolls i killed 50 men <laughs> 50 gnolls <laughs> in 15 minutes is that definitely like when, he went on his hands? when he mentioned the wall of light definitely like look directly at Anton to see his reaction to Jarzak casting light <laughs> um, yeah I don't man. think I've registered that that's actually kind of a weird concept <laughs> and Dan didn't <laughs> ask how it looks cause he even he didn't know there's <laughs> no more bugs in this one it's my first non-bug spell um, How exciting! Oh, yeah, all the but, bugs uh, are attracted yeah, to the light. will arrange all of that into two carriages, kind of hitch them together. Okay, so in that case, the party will be able to get back to the uh, back to the <laughs> the castle by about eight o'clock at night. Well, well did everyone sundown. agree with Klika's plan? There, I started that in character and then couldn't remember the word subsidize. <laughs> I'm sure once we deliver this most handsome gift, the castellan will have plenty of ideas of what to do with it. Well, it's 
less about his ideas and more about what's best for the people who lost everything. True. So, as the party arrive back to the castle and uh, have word with the castle and when dropping off all these goods, not only are the guards flabbergasted when they see you all come back alive and smelling of dead knoll, but seeing the carriage full of goods and wealth, um, people flock to you in the street as you wheel your way in. The castle and comes out to greet you and meet you and has uh, quite the celebratory little uh, motion here as the guards are all brought out and all the soldiers to come and see what you've brought back and hear the story of what you've done. Uh, hearing that none of them are magical casters who can ride on fucking dragons, it seems like this is kind of a pointless <laughs> uh, masturbatory event. But in any case, the uh, Lord takes the uh, the money and tells you all that you are surely friends of his and he will do everything in his power to preserve your names and he says that he will offer you all sort of a, a written word of recommendation sort of a, a word of pass from him that if you pass by any lands out here and need to sort of grant anybody an idea that you guys are cool this is sort of a written deed of his like professment of you guys as being awesome um but he also promises that the money will go straight to the castle as a whole and this will be put forward towards food and housing for the refugees who have had their towns destroyed he says he's going to use this money also to buy more goods from the south in order to uh you know adjust for them having had their economy destroyed in all the different places and help put the money forward towards reconstruction when the knoll crisis dies down but hearing how many of them you've killed and discussing with the rangers and the warriors he has as scouts here at the castle they are very excited to tell you that you may have killed what appeared to be like the main war party. And they gathered in such large numbers. We're definitely not alone. And there's probably others that are going to go to that camp and see it. But you may have disrupted the spearhead in a siege. And because of this, it seems like you may have thrown like just a massive monkey wrench into the plans the Knolls may have had. Uh, describing the weird one that was cackling and calling things from dead bodies. It seems like you may have also killed a leader in this movement. Um, and so just by the wild happenstance of you guys as, uh, being here and doing all of this, the Lord himself says that you may have somehow been brought to him in some weird way perfectly on this day to meet these people and to do these things. And with that, he says that it feels as if the stars themselves have aligned in such a way as to have brought you all here to this one place at this one time in order to help him and protect his people. And for that, he is grateful not only to you, but to the gods above who have uh, looked out for you all and for them. Um. Well, Kalika also kind of has a title that doesn't really come up that often but sometimes people like uh immortals or elven queens or dragons call Klika the child of destiny so maybe that was it he he gives a knowing nod uh or not a knowing nod he gives a uh a, a, a nod that sort of shows that he has no idea what the fuck you're talking about but he respects that what you're saying must be true, because clearly somebody coming through here like you guys did. When you say you've met Elven Queens, he's like, yep, checks out. So when you say that, he's like, as it shall be, child of destiny. Very good. Um, 
and thus the party are able to stay uh, yet another night here in the castle. Uh, and I think we should end it there with our party having made quite a name for themselves already here, their first fucking week in the southern the southern lands of Amaroth. Oh, if you could put like a really, really good word in with your brother, that would help a ton. Thank you. Uh, that's that's his little little written recommendation there on okay. the on the paper. So when Jarzak inevitably gets into a duel, one of you can pull it out and be like, no, 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 he's cool, he's cool. Hold on. Jarzak's like, tell me the secret. <laughs> but uh all right, goodbye. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.